0: So are we doing "Last Christmas" at the beginning of this? Can we do a little faded? Last fade Christmas,
1: I <laughs> gave you my heart, <laughs> and
0: the very next day you made Lomo Saltado. <laughs> <laughs> are you ready? <clears throat> Welcome to Head Full of Hannibal, your Baltimore Fannibal podcast. This is episode seven, oh. a very Hannibal Black Christmas. So today we decided to do something special instead of just me and Jen talking for an forty-five minutes, an hour, an actual hour and a half yes. this time. I don't
1: think you guys had reached the episode in forty-five minutes the last time. So I know. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> this <laughs> we time got... we hired professionals. Yes. We hired professionals. <laughs> Um, so we decided, uh, sometime back to do a special and uh, Justin has been doing sound for a Baltimore radio play company called
1: Horatio Dark and also their sister group or uh, maybe mother, it's hard to it's a little incestuous around here. At the Yellow Sign Theater where I've been doing sound and sound design and sound work with with them for World of the Worlds.
0: So Justin proposed that we do some sort of radio production. Jen and I had read a most delightful holiday fan fiction last year mm. called a- "Is It a Very Hannibal Black Christmas" by Hermione Mora. We mentioned it in our fan yeah, works we've episode. We talked about it, yeah. yeah. And we approached the creator, who said generously, "Thank you, that we could go ahead and do a production of it." <laughs> so for better or for worse. We got, how many people did we just have today?
1: There were 12 reading parts, so um, we had one double up, so 11.
0: 11 people. 11 people and a lot of Cuba Libres. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, in honor of the um, (laughs) Cuba revelation that came from on Twitter. Season 4 Cuba. Season 4 Cuba. Jen brought fixings for Cuba Libres, which are actually just rum and cokes with lime. Lime
1: how many have you had
0: several (laughs) we hosted christmas or thanksgiving and then we cleaned and then we had more people over and we cleaned again so i've earned it um but we just yeah we just had 11 people and three children and four cats in our house for Mm -hmm. the entire afternoon Mm -hmm. when we recorded so uh yeah we uh it we turned were out pretty good. Fake snowed in. And yes. read a bunch of stuff. Yes. <laughs> fake snowed in in Baltimore. Thanksgiving weekend. It does not snow at Thanksgiving no. in Baltimore. 51. No. We're right. totally good. Yeah, so we'll we get back on our regularly scheduled programs in a couple of weeks. Well, we'll keep doing recaps and general Hannibal content. Though I think we might have some new fanable, Hannibal interested people mm-hmm. because some of the um some of the voice actors that we had had to watch the show in order to. They wanted to prep for the recording, and I think we may have hooked some new people. They were yeah.
1: delight. We should have them on always.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yes yeah. yeah. Yes. So we will have some guest posts <laughs> in the future.
1: Let's introduce our cast.
0: Uh, Nairobi
2: Collins, Jack Crawford, uh local author and actor, uh, Baltimore Rock Opera Society. Uh, Horatio Darks occasionally. Mostly sing at home in a bathrobe. Yes.
3: Michael Stevenson. I will be performing Hannibal Lecter tonight, today, now. Previously in Baltimore Rock Opera Society with Nairobi. Also, Yellow Sign Theater, most recently, War of the Worlds and Horatio Dark.
4: Jess Rivera, Bella Crawford. Um, Lots of things. Bros, Annex Theater, Moxie Ford's. Being awesome. Emily Ward, Alana Bloom. Sometimes I'm in Horatio Dark. Brooke Summers, I'm the narrator. I am a part of Transcendence Belly Dance Collective, as well as part of the super duo of dancers Lyra and Pearl. Cody Brownson katz I'll be playing Will Graham. I'm a librarian and this is my
5: first podcast.
0: Amy LaPearl, I'm one of your Head Full of Hannibal podcast hosts. I'm going to be Brian Zeller today. I am also a part of Transcendent Belly Dance Collective and a part of Lyra and Le Pearl. I'm Jen, the other half of Headful of Hannibal, and um, yeah, that's it. Oh, and I'm doing Jimmy Price.
6: <laughs> Hi, I'm Mike Yance. I'll be playing the characters of uh, Joe Don and the Ripper. Um, I also do a lot of the uh, Yellow Sign Theater and uh, Horatio Darks Between Lines.
4: My name is Star Austin. I'm playing the role of Beverly Katz today, and I spend all of my free time establishing the subtle cues of the daddy boy relationship between Hannibal and Will. Go Hannagram. <laughs> the wet snow settles along the gutters of Baltimore, coating yesterday's gray speckled slush with a fresh layer of clean white. For now, at least, it is actually pretty. A trampling foot comes down from the curb and breaks the misleading layer of snow into a deep puddle of frigid, slushy water.
2: Ah! Oh. Careful there.
0: Why do people always say, be careful after someone has already
4: run into something? Crawford chuckles as they cross the street intersection. The lampposts are decorated with garlands and festive bulbs for the holiday season.
2: Don't bring your typical winter grumps to my party tomorrow night. A party, eh?
4: What? What? A wide-eyed older man in a thin ratty Santa suit leers at them from behind a ridiculous cottony wig and false beard. Uh, hey there, buddy.
0: Christmas
6: party. With your friends. Well, my, my. Doesn't that sound like a good time?
0: Uh, That's the idea. (laughs) Uh, Okay.
6: Don't party too hard. One night of revelry has brought many a pious soul to an untimely end. Watch your steps. Careful there.
0: (sighs) Well, that was an ominous encounter.
2: Yeah, it was. Let's never speak of it again.
4: (laughs) The snow falls until Baltimore looks like it has been wrapped up in thick blankets. On the eve of Christmas Eve, the Crawfords welcome their guests into their home. Alana Bloom. Beverly Katz, Jimmy Price, Hannibal Lecter, and Brian Zeller all mingle amiably together in the sitting room. What do you mean you're not the Christmassy type? He's never been. He's a Scrooge. I'm not a Scrooge. I just
0: don't get overly excited about it. I think it's all a bit much. I love December.
4: A Jewish dad, a Christian mom, all the holidays, more presents for me. I guess you won't be needing me to get you anything. I didn't say that. I sit stiffly on the couch pushing my socially awkward defense mechanism up my nose. I'm clad in high-waisted khakis and a frumpy shirt, hunched over in my seat, and somehow I still manage to look like a tantalizing siren lounging on a rock in the middle of a misty sea, staring into sailors' eyes with limpid pools and drawing them forth to their depths with foolish smiles forever planted on their faces. I hope you don't mind driving all the way here from Wolf Trap in the snow.
5: Oh, it's just a little over an hour in the snow, it's one hour and eighteen minutes to Dr. Lecter's. Uh
4: Uh-huh. Depending on road conditions. There comes a hurried rapping at the door. I got it. Jack practically bounces on his way to answer it. Joe! Joe Don, how the hell you been? Joe stamps his feet and enters the house. He removes his jacket, revealing the ugliest red Christmas sweater to ever be stitched together, and catered to the whimsically ironic. He carries with him a bottle of scotch.
2: Hey, look who just showed up.
4: I love this guy. Joe's the best.
2: Will, Dr. Lecter, meet Joe Don. We used to serve on the force together back in the day.
4: Jack gazes at Joe
5: with affection.
2: He was the best damn partner I ever had.
5: That's interesting. I've never
4: heard of a Joe Don before. God damn it, Graham. Jack shakes his head. I fidget, as I'm wont to do, and wondered why I was so awkward. Also, sheepish quirky disheveled another flaws that some people happen to find endearing
6: you were counting on me not taking up your invitation weren't you you son of a bitch
2: ah uh, joe he's a character this one is he when do you plan on finally retiring
6: i already put my request in i have only one week left then it's off to sunny florida for me
2: fantastic i brought the christmas spirits i guess i should have known to count on you to
4: provide the booze bella greets joe and he kissed her on the cheek.
2: Keeping a close watch on you. I know you're a shameless flirt. That I am.
4: Joe winks at me.
3: Wink? Well, I don't know about anyone else, but I'm a ravenous.
2: Great. Let's eat.
4: They all assemble at the dinner table and take their seats. Price finishes his glass of wine before the food is even brought to the table. Dr. Lecter has graciously brought us one of his entries.
3: Thank you, doctor.
4: This is delicious. What is it? Lam salt
3: The name means to jump in the mouth. It is appropriate, because this particular lamb was a long jumper.
4: (laughs) What an odd thing to say. No one else seems to find it odd, so I just roll with it. After dinner, the guests gather in the living room to sing Christmas carols, drink hard apple cider, and exchange white elephant gifts. I open one, and it contains a bottle of Old Spice aftershave. <sighs> uh. Price lifts his mug of cider. You all need to catch up. Yes, let's get good and drunk. Joe wiggles his eyebrows at me. I stare back at him. That snow is really coming down. Yeah, looks like a blizzard. It'd
6: be a shame if we all had to spend the night here. There aren't enough beds in this house. We'd, uh, have to share.
4: Hannibal, feeling hungry again, thought about the leftover saltambuca in the fridge. Yeah, that's fine. So uh has Hannibal ever made you the lomo saltado? I don't think
0: so. I mean I've had curly
4: fries forever, but this is super fancy. You can run on for a
1: long
7: time. Run on for a long time. Run on for a long time. Sooner or later gotta put you down.
2: Hello?
4: Is this Agent Jack Crawford of the
7: FBI? Yes, this is him. Who is this?
4: I'm an old friend. Don't you recognize me? Jack signals to his company, and they quiet it down.
2: Not offhand, no. Uh, Feel free to remind me. This is
4: the Chesapeake Ripper. Jack stands to his feet, and Bella looks up at him quizzically.
2: You say you're the Chesapeake Ripper?
4: Jack says clearly enough for the party to hear him. Beverly stands as well and comes closer to the phone, pressed against the man's ear. Hannibal raised a brow. How
7: can I be sure that's true? I see you found yourself a new protégé. How quickly you replaced the last one. What was her name? Miriam Lass? She was calling out your name when I gutted her. She sounded like a child crying for her papa.
4: Jack snaps his finger and Beverly grabs her tablet.
2: Why are you calling me? Do you want to wish me a Merry Christmas?
7: Of course. Please enjoy your holiday. Oh. Put Will Graham on the phone. Why do you want to speak to Will Graham? He's next in line. You know it. I know it. Don't you think he should be fairly warned?
2: I'll see if he's available.
7: All right, everybody,
2: be quiet. Well, I'm going to put you on speaker. Beverly, I want you to record this.
4: Beverly, already on it, sets her tablet to record and places it on the coffee table next to Jack's cell phone. <coughs> <coughs> <laughs> this is
5: Special Agent Graham. <sighs> <sighs>
7: <laughs> 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 so this is the pretty new pup that Crawford has taken into his kennel. Will he grow into a well-trained hound, or
4: will he be nothing more than a fluffy lapdog? Hey? <clears throat> Jack holds the silence with an admonishing glare. You had something you needed to tell me. Yes, I wanted
7: to tell you that I'm going to rat you, pup. I'm going to bend you over, grab you by your soft curls, and make you mule and whine like a bitch and
4: eat. Hannibal shakes his head. Beverly's jaw drops, and she looks back and forth between Price and Zeller to confirm that they totally heard this. You totally just heard this. Didn't you guys? Oh my god. I respond to the remarks as I usually do, to any source of discomfort, with a copious amount of sweating and twitching.
7: So get ready, pretty boy. I'm coming for you. When I get you, you're going to love how I lick that pink little boy pussy of yours. Yeah.
4: Boy pussy? Boy pussy? I had no idea the Ripper
0: was such a romantic.
3: Absolutely vile, Jack. I don't think this call is legitimate. Clearly, this isn't the Chesapeake Ripper. Why do you think that, Doctor? Because the Ripper is a, a... librettist. Or at least he considers himself one. This man is a...
5: Vulgar spinoff of Weird Al Yankovic.
3: Precisely.
5: He could be toying with us. I'm not ready to rule out the
0: possibility.
5: Jack, you thought the string of muggings downtown might be the Chesapeake Ripper.
4: <laughs> Whatever, he. We drove by some roadkill on the way here, and you thought that was the Chesapeake Ripper.
0: Oh, come on!
2: Everyone shut up. First off, this party appears to be over. Most of you can go on home. And Beverly and I can head to the office to see about tracing that
6: call.
4: I don't think that's possible. Price holds up the tablet and shows the weather status online. It looks like the roads are closed due to the blizzard.
6: We are staying the night after all.
4: Well, we have a spare bed and plenty of couches that we can make up for you. Hopefully conditions will clear by the morning. Suddenly, all the lights in the house extinguish with a pop. <laughs> what happened? The blizzard. Do you have any flashlights?
2: Who said that?
4: I said, do you have any flashlights? I can't see a damn thing. None of us can see a damn thing. It's dark as hell in here.
2: Light a candle or something. We can't just be standing around the dark
4: whispering to each other like a bunch of weirdos. Will, where are you? I'm right here. I feel someone press up against me. Good to know. What the hell? Someone shoved me. All right. Who shoved Joe? <laughs> You That's my phone? On, Jack shuffles around, the feeling back. the coffee table.
3: Run on, on it's
4: too goddamn dark in
3: here! Or later, gotta
6: in the
4: blackness, comes a later, platform, later, and then a beam of light shoots down. through. Bella holds a flashlight and Don't aims it toward the table. Jack grabs his phone and turns Don't on the speaker.
7: Crawford. Quite the weather we're having, wouldn't you say? Me, I rather like a snowy Christmas. It's a veritable winter wonderland.
2: I prefer not to have to shovel my drive.
7: I'm sure a couple in your considerable career positions can afford to hire someone to do it for you.
5: Now put Will Graham on. This is Graham. Hello again,
7: my fair future conquest. It looks like you are trapped in a dark, scary place. Who knows what will find you and violate every orifice in your body.
4: I begin to sweat again. A lot, actually. It would be pretty gross for literally anyone else except the man who could make any bodily function seem obscenely erotic. I guess.
5: It will
7: happen eventually, you little slut. I'm going to cut you open and cum all over your insides.
4: Do
3: you honestly expect us to believe you are the Chesapeake Ripper? Hello.
7: You must be the consulting Dr. Lecter. So you say I'm not... A librettist, as you had hoped. The reality of who I am will become known to you,
4: don't doubt. The ominous sound comes from some unverifiable place. The guests look around, unsettled. What was that noise? It sounded like clashing metal.
2: Oh, that's just the pipes. They sometimes do that in the winter.
4: He heard what Dr. Lecter just
0: said. That must mean the calls are coming from inside the house. What? Seriously? Yeah, isn't that creepy? It's just... I mean, that trope was kind of played out in the 70s. What does it matter? It matters!
3: I should think the Chesapeake Ripper would choose something less derivative.
2: Regardless, there's someone in my house making violent threats. Seeing as how you've all been present during the calls, it must be an uninvited (gasps) guest. We have to split up and search the house. We'll cover more ground that way.
4: Bella gathers up all the flashlights she can find in the home. She dropped the eight in her arms onto a coffee table.
3: This woman has a lot of flashlights.
4: It's good to be prepared. Jimmy and Z go down the hall.
2: Alana and Beverly take the kitchen. Bo and I will team up, and Dr. Lecter, you go downstairs with Joe Don. Don't worry, Doctor. This man was my partner for ten years. You're in good hands. What about me? I guess you're on a team by yourself. You search the basement. It's unfinished, so there will be some leaks and exposed wires. Also, there are plenty of places where someone might hide. Be thorough. Oh.
4: The teams flick on their lights and go their separate ways. Zeller and Price enter the guest bedroom and begin to search around. Price opens the closet and shifts the clothes around, while Zeller drops down and looks under the bed. On the other side of the room sits a wooden chair. In the middle, a transparent glass unicorn figurine rearing its majestic head. Its horn gleams, the tip of it sharp as a saber. In the kitchen, Beverly and Alana shine their flashlights at various implements. A magnetic strip of knives, a meat thermometer, a block of more knives, a switch for the garbage disposal, the knife that was just sitting on the bar.
5: Everything's spookier in a dark room.
4: Yeah, and more dramatic. The two of them make their way to the walk-in pantry. They step inside, the small space and the door creaks shut. They stare at each other for a moment, heaving bosoms pressed against each other. (laughs) Well, this was silly. Yeah. They lock eyes. Suddenly, Alana leans forward and plants a kiss right on Beverly's lips. They both drop their flashlights and wrap their arms around each other, knocking cans and boxes off the pantry shelves as they kiss. In the guest room, the unicorn continues to gleam and be sharp. Clang go the pipes. I descend the creaking stairs into the basement. My flashlight darts around in front of me, and I sputter when a cobweb brushes across my face. (laughs) I stop at the bottom and mop my sweaty forehead with my hands. They push back my dark curls, my long eyelashes fluttering against flushed cheeks. I'm a vision. When I tremble, the angels gasp and throw down their harps in revelation that they could no longer sing the beauty of heaven. My cerulean orbs opened once more when I heard a soft whistling sigh. The ground window was open and the snow drifted into the gravelly floor.
5: Must be how the caller entered.
4: As I push down the frame and lock it, I notice something moving out of the corner of my eye. A ratty old rocking chair to my right is moving from the last gust of wind that entered through the window. I turn to face it. My eyes adjust to the shadowy silhouette for a moment and I raise my flashlight to see what is in the chair. Propped up on the seat is an antique porcelain doll. Its skin is pallid and unnatural, and its eyes are unfocused and filmy as the dead. Nope. I turn away from the doll. I think I hear a noise again and turn back. The doll stares blankly. I return the stare. The doll doesn't blink. I don't blink. Nope. Nope. I decided again and ventured to the other corner of the room. I search around shelves of tools and home improvement supplies. The pipes clamor directly in my ears, and I wince. The basement smells damp, and every corner ostensibly shelters maddening monstrosities. It reminds me of my own depressed id. Finally, my nerves get the better of me, and I quickly scamper up the stairs. When I close the basement door behind me, I lean my body against it and exhale. My chest moves with each shuddering breath. I toss my head like a lover in the throes of passion. My throat and face glisten with sweat. The dampness soaks my collar and down my shirt. I am too sweaty. I need a shower
5: before I embarrass myself with how sweaty I am.
4: I lock the door and slowly move down the hall to the bathroom. So, do you think the caller is the Chesapeake Ripper? Price is still shuffling through the dresser drawers. He's lost interest in searching for a person, and he resorts to just plain snooping. Who knows? Maybe. Zeller wanders over the wooden chair and slumps down to the seat.
0: Ouch! What happened? I sat on something. It was a horse thingy. Weird. Yeah, it almost went right up my ass. You mean your boy pussy? Don't don't use that phrase
4: ever again. Zeller places the figurine on the windowsill. Did it hurt?
0: Not really. It was mostly just kind of startling, I guess. You know, I hope I don't seem flippant, but this whole mystery is kind of fun. It is. We don't get out in the field very often. It's exciting.
4: Very exciting. They gaze at each other for a lingering moment before finally pressing into each other and kissing passionately. They stumble for the bed and fall down on it, grasping at each other in the dark.
6: There's a trap door to the attic in this hallway. Joe
4: and Hannibal made their way down the corridor. Joe shines his flashlight at the ceiling. Hannibal walks into the beam of light and pulls down a cord to the door. A wooden ladder rolls out. After you. Hannibal nods and proceeds up the ladder. He sticks his head into the stuffy room and shines his light at his surroundings. A few boxes and some covered furniture clutters the space. He climbs up and spies a large metal hook descending from a pulley attached to a beam.
3: This is handy. What? Join me. It's clear, but I want to show you something. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure.
4: Hannibal pulls the heavy hook back toward the wall. Joe's head pops into view as he looks in Hannibal's direction. He squints for a moment and sees what the man is holding.
6: What do you got there?
4: Hannibal grins and releases the hook. It swings hard through the air with a whoosh and smashes into Joe's face, skewering him through the mouth. Joe gurgles, his blood pouring onto his sweater. Hannibal pulls on the rope and hoists Joe upward, hanging him by his open maw. He fastens the end and watches, entertained as Joe shudders.
3: Be patient and calm, for no one can catch fish in anger.
4: Hannibal glances over the room until he finds a bit of rope and an old duster. He strolls back to the body and plucks out a few of the duster's feathers. In the master bedroom, Jack and Bella check their surroundings.
2: I'll be damned if I let the Ripper get one up on me again.
4: He's here somewhere. We'll find him. Jack nods and observes the snow piling high outside the window. Bella interrupts his pondering. She sits on the bed with a bounce. So, you want to make out? Jack grins at her and shuts the door. Meanwhile, I stagger into the bathroom and begin to peel off my clothing. My frame stretches and curves with my movements. I pause to stare at myself in the mirror. In my eyes a naive focus, but within me a terrifying maelstrom of grappling demons and angels.
5: No one understands me.
4: Ah! Dr. Lecter's scream rings out in the house. Price and Zeller sit up suddenly. Beverly and Alana spill out of the pantry, their lipsticks smeared on each other's faces. Bella turns up her head from her husband's kiss. What was that? Nothing. Jack continues, nibbling her earlobe. Bella coos. Mm. Should we... Should we check it out?
2: Graham will do it.
4: Price, Zeller, Alana, and Beverly dash into the hallway, where Hannibal is propped against the wall, shaking. What's going on? Hannibal points a trembling finger upward at the door in the ceiling. Zeller climbs the ladder into the attic. When he has ascended into the room, he releases an anguished cry. Ah! The other three hurry after him. Joe is found hanging by a hook, his feet tied together, his arms fastened into fin-like appendages, and feathers adorning the line above his open mouth. Oh God, they killed Joe! No! Not Joe! Joe. Brian drops to his knees, clutching Joe's desecrated remains. Why? Why couldn't you have taken me, you bastard? Zeller sniffs and wipes his eyes. Price reaches out and holds the man's head against his chest. <laughs> I groan under the warm cascade of the shower. Mm.
5: Oh, that is so... So much better.
4: I rinse away the sweat from my baby smooth skin, and let the shower rain down on my face. I lather up the soap in the shower caddy, and work it over my abdomen and chest, between my legs, and over my peach-like bottom. On the other side of the foggy glass, a shadowy figure looms in the room. I throw my head back and caress myself with sudsy fingers. The shadow draws closer. Suddenly, a hand reaches out and bangs loudly on the glass door. I nearly slip in the shower when I rear back. What are you doing? I lean out the shower door and grab a towel. I wrap it around my waist and step onto the mat. Beverly, Alana, and Hannibal are all gathered and gaping at me. I'm, I'm taking a shower. Why? I was sweaty. There's a killer
5: in the house, and you're stopping to shower? A killer? I ask, acutely aware of my nudity.
3: Joe Dawn is dead. We split up. To cover more ground, and when I found him again, he was killed and transformed into a poetic tableau.
4: I'll just get dressed. I move from my clothes and then look up to see everyone still standing around with their eyes trained on me. Can I have some privacy? Someone better be dead out there. Yeah, uh, about that. The party converges again in the attic. Jack glowers at the hanging corpse of his friend. It's him. It's the Ripper. The image of Joe Don strung up like his favorite hobby causes the blood to rush out of my face. I put my hands on my knees, breathless, shaking, sickened, adorable. (sighs) You think you're right, Jack?
5: Do you think you can see right now? I can see, even though it hurts me to see.
2: But when you see, you can tell the others what you have seen, and they will see too.
5: No one can see like I see. It's the burden of seeing.
4: Oh, just do the thing. I shake and stand up, whipping my glasses away from my face. (sighs) I could see better without them, but only figuratively, not literally. Everyone out.
2: Will has to do the
4: thing. I love the thing. The party descends the ladder one by one.
2: Dr. Lecter, you stay and observe.
4: I ponder over the tableau for a moment before closing my eyes and inhaling. (sighs) In my mind, a pendulum sweeps across the black void. I find myself standing on a bank of a riverbed. In front of me, a dark figure stands half-submerged in glassy water. The entity's head was adorned with huge black antlers. Its face and body were that, as a man, entirely the color of coal. Its eyes are empty and reflect nothing. He appears as a wendigo from native legend. As I approach, I see that it is holding a fishing pole in front of it. The Wendigo turns its head towards me and gives me a friendly wave. Fine day for it. My eyes widen as I shake from the vision. I shudder and rub my face with both hands.
2: What did you
3: see, Will? Pure
4: evil. Jack steps away and climbs down the ladder. Hannibal cocks his head and examines
3: the young man. I am sure the fishing metaphor is not lost on you.
5: We are all fish in a barrel. Waiting to be hooked, we swim around in circles against each other, sharing the same prison, watching our kin be plucked away. Tell me,
3: Will, when the barrel closes on you, will you dive below the others, or you willingly take the bait? What?
2: I think it would be safer if we stick together from now on. The
4: two join the others, and they all move along the hall toward the living room, jostling and stepping on each other's toes. When they manage to gather in the large room, they huddle together to discuss their options. I stay back. I feel a strange tug in one direction. Turning, I see standing in the shadowy opening to the first floor hallway a black feathered stag. The stag huffs at me and lowers its head, bobbing it, before turning and walking down the hallway. As if in a trance, I follow silently until the stag reaches the door to the basement. It snuffles and nudges the doorknob with its nose. I open the door for the creature, but it just bows its head and clops past me into the shadows.
5: Why won't he go forward? Well, bet it's because stags can't go downstairs. Or is that cows? Can stags go downstairs? I shake my
4: head forcefully. Get it together, Graham. Carefully, descending into the basement once more, I pull out my gun and brace it in front of myself with both hands aside. When I reach the gritty concrete floor, I hear a faint sniveling sound. I whirl in its direction, but all I see is a tall stack of boxes. I shine my light at it, and I can see it breaking through the cracks between them to an open area inside. Carefully, I approach the stack and push one to the side. Amidst them crouches a man holding a fireplace poker. He has made himself a little box
5: fort.
7: Which one are you?
5: I'm Will Graham. You wanted to speak to me?
7: I heard about you. They say you're crazy. You killed that cop,
5: didn't you? Like, metaphorically?
7: You're sick. I mean, pretty crazy. I stalk and call people for a rush. But you are a monster. I'm a monster. How many more people have you killed? Are you going to kill me now?
5: No. I'm not a killer. I... I I just have crazy visions where I think I'm a killer and I, I mime the motions of stabbing. I'm mutilating people and I enjoy it, but it also tears me up inside and my nightmares are bleeding into waking dreams. And sometimes I think I'm gutting a fish, but then I realize it's a young girl's face. And I think, who am I? My mind is fracturing and all I see are the bloody entrails of my victims and all I hear are their anguished
4: screams and Ah, fuck this. The caller groans and jumps to his feet, lunging towards me with a poker. I squeeze the trigger. The pummeling of shots knock the caller back, slamming him against the boxes and toppling them over. I pull the trigger again. Then I squeeze out eight or so more shots. Finally, I retrieved another clip, loaded it, and shot him again. I slump against the wall, shivering. The streetlights outside filter through the windows and over my face, just right. Were I to have lived amongst the Baroque masters, Caravaggio, deprived of paint, would plunge his teeth into his wrist for blood, with which to immortalize my visage. The rest of the party, hearing the commotion, stumble down the stairs and into the basement. They slow as they surround the body lying on the unfinished floor.
2: You killed him. You killed the Ripper.
4: It
5: feels a bit anticlimactic.
2: Either way, it's over. The Chesapeake Ripper is finally dead.
4: It's a Christmas miracle! In the clear light of the morning... When the blizzard is over and the roads are cleared, the authorities carried out the bodies from the Crawford residence, and the guests returned to their own homes to enjoy Christmas Eve. I trudged into my house and threw myself onto a pile of blankets and dogs that I call a bed. I am just about to fade out when...
5: It's you Will? Dr. Lecter I thought for a moment you were the Chesapeake Ripper and that he wasn't really dead or we had the wrong guy you know, like in the movies
3: (laughs) That would make a better climax, wouldn't it?
5: I've heard enough phone calls from the Ripper to last me an eternity
3: He was vulgar The way he spoke to you was so base so lacking in finesse I have to say I'm a little disappointed in him
5: You're expecting someone more refined?
3: I know that if I wanted to convey eroticism to someone with such rare beauty, I would not scrounge in filth.
5: No, you wouldn't. I
4: lounge on the bed once more, cheeky grin dimpling my face.
3: I would pen a sonnet, I would compose a ballad, I would bring down the spiteful jealousy of the gods with the heretical praise I would heap on that someone.
5: You know, a little vulgarity here and there isn't such a terrible thing.
4: I'll be right over. This is my design.
0: This has been a recorded live on location in Baltimore, Maryland, production of A Very Hannibal Black Christmas. So visit Headful of Hannibal at headfulofhannibal.com, Headful of Hannibal on Tumblr and Instagram, and Headful of Hanny at on Twitter. You can call us at 302-404 H E A D to ask questions, leave comments, or correct our episode title pronunciations. And if you listen on iTunes, please leave a rating to help people find us out. So, Jen, yes, <laughs> the call is coming from inside the house.
5: Oh my God. <laughs>